Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1. Uh, so, we all remember that uh, the book of Daniel splits up pretty much in half. First six chapters are mostly narrative. It's a story of uh, the account of Daniel's life there in Babylon and in the Persian Empire. Uh, the second half deals with a lot of prophecy, and we're getting into chapter 9, a pretty major prophecy uh, known as the Seven Weeks Prophecy. Um, and just some pretty amazing things that God shared with the prophet Daniel. Uh, so specific that a lot of skeptics and critics uh, feel that there's no way that Daniel could have been written by somebody before the fact because there's so much specific stuff. But we know better than that. Obviously, God knows the future and shares it with Daniel. But Daniel, we see here in this first half of chapter 9, um, he really had a, a point of prayer with the Lord. Um, some pretty insane stuff that God shared with him and used him for. And you could say a lot of it came down to his relationship with God, and that would be seen mainly in his prayer life. Here in chapter 9, the first half of this deals with... Um, uh, that time of prayer. And, uh, you know, I've always said that prayer is just kind of a, to me it's one of those basics of the Christian life, but I feel like I just don't, I don't get it. In my own life, I, I'm sure I don't understand it the way I should. I don't use it the way I should. But we really see here with Daniel, this example of prayer, that it's really just a conversation with God. I mean, that would be a good Sunday school answer for what is prayer. It's talking to God, you know, but uh, a lot of times we, we miss the fact that it's not just the speaking, you know, in our prayers. We tell God what we want, what we need, uh, things that are going on in our life. It's that kind of talking to God. But then in a conversation, you know, obviously a good conversation, there's that, that point of listening. And, and you really do see this. Daniel was somebody who spoke to God, but he also listened to what God had to say. We see that uh, heavily here in chapter 9 because he really knew what God was saying through his word. Um, and it starts there in verse 1. Um, let's see if we can read this. Verse 1. In the first year of Darius, son of Ahasuerus, the lineage of the Medes, who was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood by the books the number of years specified by the word of the Lord through Jeremiah and the prophet, that he would accomplish 70 years in the desolation of Jerusalem. And I set my face toward the Lord to make requests by prayer and supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. And I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession. And so um, Daniel's prayer here, um, we see it was really a response uh, to something that Daniel know, knew to be true. Uh, it was what Jeremiah the prophet had said. Um, Jeremiah, um, probably a couple hundred years before this, um, he wrote in Jeremiah what we call chapter 29, verse 10, Thus says the word of the Lord, After 70 years are completed in Babylon, I will visit you and perform my good word towards you and cause you to return to this place. So uh, the prophet Jeremiah wrote very specifically in Jeremiah 29.10 that 
the time in Babylon would be 70 years. Specifically, 70 years. And that was a real straightforward prediction when it really comes down to it. Um, because Daniel could easily take you know, the day that the captivity started and the day that Jerusalem was destroyed there, and I think it was around 586 uh, B.C., and, and he could count 70 years ago, something is going to happen. It is totally going to happen because God said it would be 70 years of being in Babylon. So he understood that truth, and, and he, he realizes, hey, things are going to change. We're going to go back to Jerusalem. Things are going to happen. Um, and that's, you know, some serious faith. So, I mean, he heard what God said, and he acted on it, and, 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 and he brought it to the Lord in prayer. Um, you know, the rest of chapter 9, uh, we won't go over it tonight, but is very specific prophecy uh, that details the very day that uh, the Messiah would ride into Jerusalem, that when Jesus would ride into Jerusalem, and he would say, Hosanna, uh, this prophecy in chapter 9 it details the very day to where Jesus really put it on the Pharisees and said, you know, you know, and if you really understood, you know, what this day meant for you, you wouldn't be acting like this. You would be celebrating with everyone else. And, and, and Daniel read the word, and he trusted what God said. Um, and so he prays there in verse 3. Uh, in verse 3, it says, I set my face toward the Lord God to make requests, prayers, supplications with fasting, sackcloth, and ashes. So, so here he turns his face um, toward the Lord God. And of course, that could just be a way of saying he prayed. But we know that Daniel had this tendency to pray towards Jerusalem um, there in chapter 6 when he gets busted. Uh, for praying and then gets thrown into the lion's den. Uh, he would open his windows towards Jerusalem uh, on a regular basis at structured times of the day. And um, that also was just God, uh, sorry, that was just Daniel taking God at his word. Uh, because when Solomon dedicated the temple, um, he said in 2 Chronicles chapter 6, verse 18, but Will God indeed dwell with men on earth? Uh, behold, heaven and the heaven of heavens cannot contain you. How much less this temple which I have built, yet regard the prayer of your servant and his supplication, O Lord my God, and listen to the cry and the prayer which your servant is praying before you, that your eyes may be toward this temple day and night, toward the place where you said you would put your name, that you may hear the prayer which your servant makes towards this place. And you may hear the supplications of your servant and your people of Israel when they pray towards this place. Hear from heaven your dwelling place, and when you hear, forgive. So Daniel takes again, you know, what what's said in the word there that Solomon said, hey, when when you when your people cry out to you toward this temple, hear God. And and so Daniel just by faith takes that and he he would, you know, as his tradition was, he would open up the windows, he would pray towards Jerusalem. It wasn't anything, you know, uh, supernatural. It was just really trusting what God had said. Um, and, and we read here that Daniel was praying and supplications, um, asking and, and, you know, just, again, conversation with God. 
fasting, obviously showing just where his heart was, uh, more than food, God, I, I want you. Um, but then it says there, look at, look at verse uh, 3, with sackcloth and ashes. So sackcloth and ashes is something we don't really do a whole lot of. Uh, sackcloth would be kind of like those burlap kind of, you know, sacks, potato sacks, you know, or those gunny sacks that, you know, you think of those three-legged races or whatever, you know. It was that real rough cloth, and they would put that on when they were in, in great times of sorrow. Uh, they would put ashes on their head, which seems rather dramatic. But it was just this kind of this showing what my heart is doing. Um, I remember uh, we, we watched a lot of musicals in our house, and uh, the first part of you know Fiddler on the Roof is is you know is great. The second part gets just really rough to watch. But you know, there's those times where where somebody would say something that was like near blasphemy or whatever, and, and you know the rabbi or whatever would you know go ah and throw like dust in the air and all this kind of stuff. And you go, that's that's what's going on here. It's that real thing of like something really gets to you and bothers you. You throw ashes on your head. You know you you pull at your hair. You get it. You know when you've been through something difficult, that's a natural response. But here Daniel, I think, in all honesty, he sees where he's at there in captivity and he sees what God has said and and he just he is um, his heart is broken for these things and he goes on to pray in sackcloth with ashes and he prays to the Lord and makes confession um, and that's really what he goes on to do he makes confession uh, confession is really just saying the same thing as God that's what the word means when you say when you confess uh, it's fessing up to what you've done for sure, but it's agreeing with God and saying, you're right and I'm wrong. That's exactly what Daniel does here in this prayer. So let's just read this prayer. We won't have so much to say about it. It's all pretty obvious, but um, notice he says there, uh, I think that's verse 4, um, and I prayed to the Lord my God and made confession and said, O Lord, great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant and mercy with those who love him and with those who keep his commandments. We have sinned and committed iniquity. We have done wickedly and rebelled, even by departing from your precepts and your judgments. Neither have we heeded your servants, the prophets, who spoke in your name to our kings and princes, to our fathers and to the people of the land, O Lord, righteousness belongs to you, but to us shame of face as it is this day. To the men of Judah, to the inhabitants of Jerusalem, and all of Israel, those near and those far off, and all the countries to which um, you have driven them because of the unfaithfulness which they have committed against you. O Lord, to us belongs shame of face, to our kings and princes, to our fathers, because we have sinned against you. To the Lord our God, belong mercy and forgiveness, so we have rebelled against him. We have not obeyed the voice of the Lord our God, who walked in his laws, which he set before us by his servants and prophets. Yes, all Israel has transgressed your law, and has departed so as not to obey your voice. Therefore, the curse and the oath um, written in the law of Moses, the servant of God, has been poured out on us because we have sinned against him. 
And he has confirmed his words which he spoke against us and against our judges who judged us by bringing upon us great disaster. For under the whole heaven, such has never been done uh, as what has been done to Jerusalem. And it is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. Yet we have not made our prayer before the Lord our God that we might turn from our iniquities and understand your truth. Therefore, the Lord has kept the disaster in mind and brought it upon us. For the Lord our God is righteous in all the works which he has done, though we have not obeyed his voice. And now, O Lord our God, who brought your people out of the land of Egypt with a mighty hand and made yourself a name as it is this day, we have sinned. We have done wickedly. O Lord, according to your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because for our sins and for the iniquities of our fathers, Jerusalem, and your people are a reproach to all those around us. Now, therefore, our God, hear the prayer of your servant and his supplication, and for the Lord's sake, cause your face to shine on your sanctuary, which is desolate. O my God, incline your ear and hear, open your eyes, and see our desolations in the city, which is called by your name. For we do not present our supplications before you because of our righteous deeds, but because of your great mercies. O Lord, hear. O Lord, forgive. O Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake, my God. For your city and your people are called by your name. So, great prayer and wonderful uh, prayer here. It's a lot of confession. Uh, we don't necessarily need to go back there, but in, in verse 4, he says, you know, God, you're great and awesome. Verse 7, your righteousness belongs to you. Verse 9, mercy and forgiveness are yours. Um, so, as Daniel looks at God, he says, God, you're right. Man, you have been absolutely righteous and awesome and holy. And then, you know, confession of verse 5, we have sinned. Um, it's, it's really humbling there to see Daniel um, saying we have sinned. Because, you know, really, Daniel was just a kid when all this went down. It was the hundreds of years of history before him uh, that was so ugly. Uh, but Daniel knows he's a sinner too. Uh, if it, he was there, he would have done the same thing. And regardless if it was his sin, he puts himself there, uh, right there with them, and says, we did it. We've sinned. We've committed iniquity. We've done wickedly. And um, I think it's one of those things we don't necessarily like admit so easily that we've done iniquity. And, and yeah, you think of that word, iniquity, you know, it's just kind of one of those Bible words. But it's just kind of this idea of inequity, right? It's like, it's not fair. Uh, and it's crazy, though, how often, you know, even to God, um, you know, I can look at other people and see it, but I don't always see it in myself. How easily we go, well, God, it's not fair. You know, what happened in our life, oh, it's just not fair. And how easily, it's, it's just kind of crazy. Sometimes we even like say it's not fair about things that we got ourselves into, right? 
how easily we can make just, you know, terrible decisions, selfish decisions, and then go, but God, it's just not fair, you know, I just don't understand if I, if I'm, you know, I'm a Christian, why is this happening to me? And we go, but at the same time, so many times that the consequences are because of just selfish things that we've decided to do, you know. Uh, you know, the thing I see, I've seen a lot, you know, with youth ministry and stuff is, you know, God says very specifically that believers shouldn't be um, yoked up in close relationship with unbelievers. Not that you need to be cold-hearted and like, oh, I don't talk to non-Christians, I'm just too holy for that. But, you know, the Bible very specifically says there, Paul says to people in Corinth, you don't have anything in common with a non-believer. Um, there can't be that closeness. And yet, how many times, you know, I, I, I've seen in my experience, uh, people get into close, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, marriage relationships with somebody who doesn't even care about God. We say, well, it'll, it'll work out. And then life comes down, you know, years down the road, and there's nothing in common, and there's just so much hurt, and and it stinks. It really stinks. I understand how you can get into that situation, but but then they say, and then we say sometimes, well, why would God let this happen? You know, why would I be in this relationship where it's just so hurtful and so everything, you know, um, Maybe I don't always tell the truth, but you look and you go, what's not fair is that we didn't listen to God. And that happens throughout life. I mean, we get ourselves in situations that God said we should never be in, and then we have the, the consequences of it, and we go, God, it's not fair. This isn't fair that this is happening to me. And, and I, I, you know, for Daniel to get to that point, I think where he just says, God, we're the ones that aren't fair uh, in all of our ways. We're the ones that haven't been fair, and you've been absolutely fair with everything. Uh, Because he is. He's more than fair. He's been faithful even when we're faithless. Um, He's loved us when we're not loving. He's forgiven us when we absolutely don't deserve it. And, And here Daniel confesses, God, you are right. God, we're wrong. We've always been wrong. And then God takes it to um, the prophets. And he gives a little bit of a history lesson here in verse 10. He says, yeah, you sent the prophets, and we didn't listen to them. And you look at the prophets, man, they had a rough existence. Uh, Nobody listened to Jeremiah. His whole time saying, turn from your sin, turn from your idols, and nobody listened to him. Um, all the prophets were like that. They came and they said, for hundreds of years, God says, turn. And God warned them and they didn't listen. And yet they they just totally ignored it. And I, I, I get that because that's, that's me too. You know, I saw it afresh as I got into the car and I realized that it says the battery on my remote is love uh, because it tells me everything about myself. Um, but it's been telling me that for about two or three months. And I'm just going to say it. I know I'm going to get to the point where that thing's going to be dead. Uh, you don't have to buy me a battery or figure it out. <laughs> I deserve it if I get in that place. But, but you know, the, the thing is, like, it's been warning me for two or three months, and I just, you know, kind of like probably on the way home it will be that way. And, and, uh, and, and I just know. I'm like, yeah, 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 I know I need a battery. 
But that's the prophets, you know. They've warned the people for years, centuries, and they never listened. And and Daniel here says, you know, God, you're blameless. You sent the prophets, and we didn't listen. Verse 13, um, there. Verse 13, he mentions the law of Moses. I think that's verse 13. As is written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come upon us. And you remember there in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 28, um, Moses warns the people, if you reject God, if you neglect God, uh, these things will come upon you. Uh, Droughts and war and pestilence and all these things, captivity, and your children will go away into captivity. And Moses warned them, of course, at that point, all the people said, we'll do everything that God says, like we all do. And, and yet they didn't. And, and Daniel says, and you know what, God? It's exactly what happens. The children went into captivity, and Daniel took flashback to when he was a teenager, taken off to Babylon, and he said, hey, God, you've done everything you said we have. You were so patient with us, and yet you didn't listen. Um, yeah, this prayer sounds like one. I mean, this is probably obvious, but it sounds like something that we ought probably be praying ourselves in our own country. Um, and put ourselves in the boat like Daniel did and just say, God, we've, we've, we've done everything wrong, and you've been so good to us. And anything bad, we absolutely deserve it. But then it turns to God's character, God's mercy, in verse 16. Um, and you hear him just begging there in verse 16. Um, I think it was that one that says, Oh Lord, according to your righteousness, I pray, let your anger and your fury be turned away from your city, Jerusalem, your holy mountain, because of our sins. And, and he cries out for God's mercy. Um, he says, in one of those verses, cause your face to shine on us. Um, and, you know, of course, that's really putting a, a human perspective on God, that God would smile. Uh, you know, you, you, you can tell when you've upset someone sometimes, you know, because their face is just, <laughs> you know, it, it's hard to hide what we're feeling, you know, kind of like uh, Cain, there where God says to Cain, you know, why does your countenance fall on Cain? Something's wrong with your face, you know? And, and he was angry, and he was upset. But, but, you know, when somebody shines, their face shines, the idea of smiling. Um, you know, yeah, there you go, that's good. <laughs> you know, he's smiling. Um, you know, it, it, it's like, a, you know, it's just you can't hold it back when you're really, truly, honestly smiling. Um, you know, you know I, I got the picture from, from our wedding, and they had just said, I, you pronounce your man and wife, and... And the looks on our faces are like, it was the goofiest looking smile, you know? And, and yet, you just like, it just shines, you know? And Daniel says, God, we need your mercy. God, that your face will just shine upon us. God, you would look at us like your kids and just, our face would just shine. Your face would shine. Uh, that's what we need, the smile of God uh, back on our life. And, and he cut, calls out for God's mercy. Um, you know, you really just hear it there uh, at the at the end of that. You know where where uh, he says, "Oh Lord, forgive," or sorry, "Oh Lord, hear," 
Uh, oh Lord, forgive. Oh Lord, listen and act. Do not delay for your own sake. But this is God, we need your forgiveness. If you're going to really restore Jerusalem, and do it. If you're going to bring us back into the land of these captivity. And there's nothing that indicates that Daniel ever went back to Jerusalem, but he was praying for someone else. God, have favor on us. We don't deserve it. Have mercy on us. We don't deserve it. But God, you're good. And you promise you're going to do it. And he looks forward to it. Now, God's going to give him a response in the rest of the chapter that we'll look at next time we meet, whenever that may be. And um, <laughs> and and he's going to really, he's going to give him a prophecy that details the time it takes to rebuild the wall uh, there in Nehemiah's day, to rebuild the city of Jerusalem. And it's going to continue on to detail the very day that the Messiah would ride into Jerusalem, and he would be cut, cut off as Jesus was cut off, not for his own sins, but for the sins of the people. Uh, but then it also jumps way ahead to something that's still in the future, the second coming of the Messiah, where he'll set everything right uh, those last seven years of, of human history. And, and so it's an amazing promise that God's going to give him as a response to this prayer. Um, just so incredibly detailed and so good because it's all just kind of detailing God's goodness. Uh, but, but you know, that's obviously that's what God wants us to be, is, is that confession. God, you're right, we're wrong, God, we need your mercy. So, uh, God, I really wish I had a heart like Daniel just to see the situation of, of our, our country. And God, you've been so good to us. You really have been so good to us. Uh, and even today, you've been good to us. Uh, God, we don't deserve any of it. But God, we know that at the same time, we absolutely need your mercy. Um, I really just pray that you break your heart you know, for those things that break your heart. Uh, we would really turn to you us here personally, the things that we just struggle with and the attitudes that we struggle with, the way we just think, the, the things that we hold on to, God, uh, help us in those things just to turn our hearts towards you. And thank you for this time. We pray that you can your friends. Bless you, strengthen, encourage, and bless them with every good thing. In Jesus' name, amen.